What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 120 presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and my favorite baseball team was one of the 11 that scored 10 plus runs last night, but they lost. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's a fan of a baseball team that was one of the 11 that scored 10 plus runs yesterday and they won. Frank, your Cubs led the pack of all the 11 teams that scored 10 or more runs yesterday, a historic night in Major League Baseball where 11 teams 12. scored. Was it 12? The Twins ended it with the, the That's right. got to 10. You're it right. Was 11, but at You're the end right. of the night, they got to 12. You're right. It was 12. The Twins did get there. It's 12. And the Cubs led them all with 17 runs. Congratulations. You were there. Jeez, I may never be doing another game like that. That was insane. Absolutely insane. It's funny because Patrick Wisdom's walk-up song, is um Whitney Houston I want to dance with somebody and he batted in the bottom of the eighth and I knew that they weren't going to get a chance to bat in the bottom of the ninth I'm like let's just hear it one more time what are the odds and at that time it was like nine to three I'm like you know if they could get to at least 13 runs he'll have another chance so we could hear it again it was easy they got to 17 it was unbelievable. Hell yeah. You got closer to hearing it a, th- a second extra time. I know. Than you did hearing it zeroed more times. Right. It was unbelievable. <laughs> That's awesome. The Cubs, they do good with their walk-up music. I, I think every team in baseball does good with their walk-up music based on my experience. There are some guys who just really have some jams that get you oh, freaking yeah. going. Like when Moncada had his song, that was sick. When Paul Canerco had the Metallica song, that was sick. Anthony Rizzo always had like a bubblegum pop selection, and I loved it every single time. It, it changed frequently. You know what I noticed about Rizzo when we went to see him the one game is it changed every at-bat. Yeah, and it was always like a poppy song. Yeah. Yep. Very I was cool. wondering if every player did that, and then it's like, no, everybody has the same one. It was just, it was like a Rizzo thing. Yeah, and some people, some people get creative team wise too. Um, <clears throat> do you remember when Eloy got really hurt, and he gets hurt all the time? But remember when he got really hurt in 2021, mm-hmm. and he didn't come back for his first game till yeah. like August. I went to his first game. And his welcome song for the one at bat, the first at bat was "Welcome back, welcome <laughs> back, welcome." It, it was sick. And then the pitchers with their walk up music as well. Liam Hendricks has that like crazy remix of "We Will Rock You." Um, Kimbrel had "Sweet Child O' Mine." It was awesome. They they do good things with that. I'm I'm happy you picked up on that. And it was Marvel <laughs> night, and it was really cool. It was really really cool. They played like a bunch of music from the Marvel movies and. It's just you would have enjoyed it. I'm sure that's awesome. And when you said you'll never be to a game like that again, there's a chance you're not. There's a chance you are, but you have to be at the game. Listen, I've been to hundreds and hundreds of Major League Baseball games at this point. I can only recall a team scoring double digits a handful of times when I was there. So, like, getting to 17. Yeah, you might have season tickets and might not witness them getting the 17 runs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and not, exactly let alone right. pick out the game that you're going to go to and try and get it. It was just insane. Yeah. I, you know what? It's funny. I feel that way about I was at the game where Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews uh, switched goals and they went mm-hmm. like this at each other. Uh-huh. And then Morgan Riley won it in overtime. So it I was remember like, you being at that game. Yeah. And Morgan Riley won it like nine seconds into overtime. So it was technically like three goals or four goals in like 
a minute 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever see four goals in a minute 20 seconds ever again. Yeah, probably not. I mean, that's just unreal. But that's why you go to games, folks. Go to games. You'll never know what you're going to see that day. It's oh, unbelievable it what you could come up with. I'm happy you went. Well, Frank, it is the dead of dead hockey <laughs> season. So we're going to have a show where we just debate shit and, like, come okay. up with come up with some shit. And I have an idea for next week. I'm kind of annoyed I didn't have my pen. Oh, I do have a pen right next to me. Because I have an idea for something later on in the show as well, and this is going to catch you off guard, which is what I want it to do. Um, sometimes things are less fun if they're predetermined. Um, before we get into hockey, though, what do you think about the movie The Dark Knight? I like it. It's a good movie. I haven't watched it in over 10 years, though. Yeah, you should probably watch it again because you're having an underwhelming reaction to me. But... Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched in a while. The Dark Knight, if I were to rank it, I watched it yesterday because it was the 15-year anniversary mm-hmm. of it coming out yesterday. And I watched it yesterday, and when it was over, I was like, if I was ranking this along with the MCU movies, it would be one. It's a good movie. Yeah, I honestly think it would be one. Over Endgame and Infinity. That's like, crazy. I, it's unbelievable from beginning to end. That's crazy. And... So I just wanted to bring that up and see if anyone in the chat was enjoying themselves the birthday. Um, Skokes says Joker makes that movie. Um, Couldn't agree more. Um, You could argue Batman is the third most entertaining character in the movie because Harvey Dent is also uh, freaking sweet in that movie as well. So damn, Mm -hmm. the Dark Knight is just so sick. So sick. I'll watch it again. Trust me. Hell yeah. And I agree with Skokes. Goat number one movie. I'm trying to think of a movie in general that's better than it. I don't I don't know. It might be the greatest movie ever made. Like, it just from beginning to end is unreal. So. It's a very good movie. I love it. Hell yeah. Um, Frank, we have a comment from Rick Reuter that says the Bedard era has begun. We are going to expand on that pretty heavily in period number one. Welcome to period one, Frank. Yeah. The Bedard era has begun. We've talked about Bedard at nauseum on this show. We talked about him when it was looking like he was going to be a blue jacket. We talked about him when it looked like he was going to be a duck. Shit, there was a hot minute where San Jose had the worst record in the league there in February, I think it was, when they lost like six in a row or whatever. Yeah. Um, He ended up going to the team with the third best odds to win the draft lottery, the Chicago Blackhawks. And only Sidney Crosby and Nate, the Nate Dowg, Nathan McKinnon, are first overall picks since 2000, I think it was, that were 17 at the time of being the first overall pick. So they had to wait until their 18th birthday to sign their entry-level deal, as Skokes adequately pointed out for us last week on our show. I didn't realize that, and I guess I – the Nate Dog was drafted in 13. I was a huge hockey fan then, but I didn't know the ins and outs of the draft like I do now in 2013. Um, No other 17-year-old signs their entry-level deal. They usually go back to college or their junior – their career resumes like – so I guess it really doesn't happen all that often where it's an issue at all. Connor Bedard, three years, 950K, it finally happened. I wonder why you have to wait. I wonder if that's because, like, legally you're an adult. I think you can't play in the NHL unless you're 18. 
Yeah, but I just wonder why. Like, if you're that good, right? Like, yeah, it's just like a it's professional. I think to be a professional at anything, and it might be because legally to make all that money, I think you need to be eighteen. Like, you can't play the lottery till you're eighteen. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of money. I, that's got to be it. Like, your eighteenth birthday is a big moment in your life. So absolutely, that yeah, was, would, huh? I would consider it to be dangerous to play uh, National Hockey League hockey as a teenager. And, you know, I know there are certain jobs where, like, you can only do certain things until you turn 18. I remember back when I worked at the old P-Dog, Panera, everyone likes when I make references to that, you couldn't slice bagels or bread if you were under 18. You could get a job at 16, but you couldn't slice any bagels or bread. I don't know if there's just like You can't handle the knife. Yeah, there's a machine, and all you do is drop the bagels in the machine. Uh, You could teach a four-year-old. You're losing a finger. Yeah, well, you could teach a four-year-old to do it, but. (laughs) Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. It was a big day. It was my birthday, his birthday, signs uh, his contract. So a lot was going on that day. You made note nine hundred and fifty thousand for three years. That's the max that you could give a rookie NHL player for his rookie contract. Um, I I want to break down his contract pretty heavily here. So I got a breakdown courtesy of Cap Friendly. So his base salary was eight hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. He had a signing bonus of $95,000, which that's how you get to the $950,000. Then there's a performance bonus that he could earn of up to $3.5 million max, and I believe that's per year. Um, And the way you achieve that bonus is broken into two parts. There's something called a type A performance and a type B performance. So the type A performance bonus is worth a million dollars. And in order to get that million dollar bonus, Bedard needs to hit four of the categories I'm about to name, which are all worth uh, $250,000 each for players drafted in 2022 and beyond. So you got to hit four of these to get your max 1 million. 20 goals, 35 assists, 60 points, top six in ice time among forwards, top three and plus minus among forwards on your team, minimum of 42 games played. Um, You you score average 0.73 points per game for a minimum of 42 games. End of the season all-rookie team, all-star selection, all-star MVP. Each of those categories that you nail, you get 250000 If you nail more than four, it doesn't matter. It maxes out at a million. So that's how you get the first part of your million. Now, that's type A performance. Now, your type B for performance, you could get up to $2.5 million in this bonus. And um, that's a little harder, but you'd have to um, – you just have to hit one of these. You have to either be the top 10 among NHL forwards in goals, assist points, or points per game, which is tough for a rookie. That's why it's hard to get that $2.5 million bonus. You, get, you could win any of the following trophies, the Hart, the Selkie, the Rocket Richard, or the Conn Smythe. Or you're the first or second team all-star. So theoretically, you can make $3.5 million extra per season on top of the 950000 which I thought was pretty cool because, I mean, he's going to hit some of these, you would think. So I absolutely think he'll get the extra mil. That, that extra two point five is tough. That's tough. The best way the, way I, the only way I could see him doing that, because they notice they exclusively left off the Calder Trophy. Mm-hmm. Um because a, a rookie will get it. Selkie. 
uh, Rocky Richard and the Conn Smythe. Yeah, Bedard ain't winning any of those next year. But um, they go he could be top ten in scoring. So in three years, you never know if something happens. You know. Yeah, yeah. And for those wondering, that does not go against the salary cap. No. If he were to reach any of it's those performances, yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's good stuff, Frank. I do think we're going to get to his goal totals in a minute. He gets that with ease. The 35 assists might be tough. Um, it'll obviously depend on the production of his line mates and all sorts of different things, but um, I like that. He is uh, hes a very good player. I mean, obviously he went first overall, but my projections for him are just through the roof. And you know I'm critical when I need to be, um, especially with non-devils. I yeah. I literally I have nothing to criticize Connor Bedard about. I legitimately think he is a he he's a potential franchise icon. Oh yeah, and I agree. you know I'm super super excited for the Blackhawks this season with Connor Bedard on the roster because. Um, Again, McDavid, he was 2015. I knew about him the year before, but I'm not going to pretend like when I was in high school, I knew who McDavid was in 2012, 2013, like some diehard fans would know. I knew about Bedard when he was like 15. So Bedard is the first generational talent, I think, that came through the ranks. And like I knew about him when he was like a legit minor. Uh Uh-huh which is really cool if he does become like a franchise icon, like right there with Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, probably more productive offensively than those guys even. Um, we'll, we'll see. But, man, w- what a moment for Chicago. Thomas Gage asks – wait, what were you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say didn't like people start figuring out, finding out about him like when he was 13 or was it 15 or – It was something like that, and I remember – like freshman of – or like if you're 13 – I you're, think you're like an eight, eighth, you're like grade. An eighth grade, maybe yeah. even seventh. I think, so. yeah, like eighth, yeah, maybe seventh. Yeah, it's crazy. That's how good he is. Yeah, I mean, and he got exceptional status, which always helps people realize you quicker because you could play when you get exceptional status. Yes, it means you're exceptional, but like there are a lot of exceptional players that don't get exceptional status. Like mm-hmm. Jack Hughes didn't get exceptional status, even though it doesn't matter because he didn't play in the OHL but or the CHL. But because um, getting exceptional status would have really done nothing for him. But, um, you know, that's how you you start to know these guys a little bit sooner. So love Connor Bedard. Thomas Gage wants to know, no chance Kurosev signs a new deal before his arbitration. And if that goes through arbitration, what are the possible outcomes? Um, Frank, do you want to elaborate on that or do you want me to go? Because I have some things to say. You could say, because I, I don't know what they would give them through arbitration. I haven't yeah. really looked into it too much. So I don't know about a price or anything like that. All I know is like, okay, so Kurashev, he's the definition of like a third liner, right? His prob- his max is probably like anywhere from 12 to 15 goals. Um, He'll probably be in like the 35, 40 point range in a really, really good year for him. Um, So you're probably thinking like two and a half, three million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And... You know, if he wants three million and the Hawks only want to pay him two point five million, then they would go to arbitration because he's an arbitration eligible player, as Thomas Gage adequately points out. I get really uncomfortable with arbitration because arbitration is like two people that like each other coming into a room 
and arguing against each other. So, like, the Chicago Blackhawks are like, okay, we think Kurashev is worth $3 million or $2.5 million. You don't do this, 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 and this. And then Kurashev has to come in and fight his case against the arbitrator saying, well, I do do this, this, and this. And it's basically each side talking shit about each other in front of an arbitrator. And then mm-hmm. when a deal is handed out by the arbitrator, because that's what it is, the arbitrator will come, he'll hear both sides and come up with a number for both, and they have to accept it right then and there. And the arbitrate once arbitration's over, there are sometimes hard feelings that come out of that. And you've seen it before in the past where guys like all of a sudden randomly get traded after like messy arbitration cases. You hate to see stuff like that. And like I and I know this is Philip Kurishev. It's not like Bedard going to arbitration or anything like that. But I, I always hate I hope they avoid it so bad. A couple players avoided arbitration today. Um Brett Howden with Vegas and then Gabe Velarde with Winnipeg. Hopefully the Blackhawks can get this done before the arbitration date with Kurishev. So it's today or nothing. That's right. It is today or nothing. I did know that. So that's, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. If, I don't know. And it's today or nothing in terms of. I think it's today. It I is think. today. You're yeah. right. I do remember seeing that. Um, by today or nothing, he means to, yeah. any, like yeah. after today, you you have to go to arbitration. Right. There's no signing him to whatever you want. Um, without going to arbitration. Yes. After today. Exactly. So Kurashev will be a Blackhawk next year. There's no unless it's like really messy and like he holds out. My guess is he's looking for four, but he doesn't really deserve four. Yeah. I don't think if that's it was, my guess is what he's looking for. Because why not sign for three? Yeah. Because the Blackhawks I don't think are gonna offer him anything less than three. I'd be a little surprised. I agree. And listen, he's an okay – he's a good player. He's not a top-line guy. I know there are a couple moments last year where he was hot and people were thinking, like, the Hawks had this, like, great piece. He's a good piece. He's, you know, he's the he's probably a lesser version of Andrew Shaw, right, or like a Brian Bickle. Like, those are good players, players that you need, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. He's not Taylor Radish, for right. example, who I think is a little bit better than Kurashev. I'm not positive he's like a top liner on a Stanley Cup team, but can he be the sixth best forward in a top six on a Stanley Cup winning team? Yeah, I actually do think so. So, or if he's like the driver of a third line, then you're really cooking with him. All right. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, I I hope it gets done because I do think he helps the Hawks be a little bit more competitive next year because we're going to talk about our line mates for Connor Bedard next. And I'm going through the Blackhawks team and I'm putting together lines and D pairs and stuff. And they're actually, I think, going to be worse than I would have guessed. Like before doing this exercise, they're going to be fun as hell. Okay. Like I think they're going to be fun. They're going to score sick goals. Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard are going to make instant chemistry, I think. But their defense and goaltending situation next year is so, I, like, I think they're going to give up a million goals. It wouldn't stun me if they were in last place in the Central Division or sec- second to last, depending on Arizona and Winnipeg. Excuse me. But, well, you know, I don't know if you have your lineup early predictions with Bedard ready to rock, but I'll let you go first. Yeah. Um, so I'm f- I didn't do goaltending, but. Well, it's Mrazic and Soderblom right. to start the year, right? right. Like, 
you know. I hope we see Camesso. You know, they signed him to a deal. He should play a little bit. Yes. He'll he'll make his NHL debut. If it were up to me, Soderblom and Camesso would just tandem the Ice Hogs this year and try to win a Calder Cup and develop their game at the pro level and use Marazic and sign some dummy to play this year. But, you know, we'll see what they end up doing. That's what I hope they do, though. I got my first line. So we kind of went over this weeks ago, and I had Hall, Bedard, and Reichel. But then I'm like, all right, let's move Reichel to the second line. Right? And let's do – we'll start off – we'll do, like, Taylor Hall. I keep Taylor Hall will be on the first line, and Bedard will be on the first line, obviously. Those are your chalk. So the miss, your right wing piece, um, Lucas Reichel could be moved in and out. Yeah. I, and he'll, he's a second-line player. He's Taylor Hall will probably lead the Hawks in forward ice time next right. year. Right. Even so more we, than Bedard. We take out Reichel and put him on the second line because he's not going to drop to the third line. So right now, first line, I got Hall, Bedard, and Taylor Radish. I think that's a good first line. I think it's solid. Think Taylor Radish could put in those first line minutes. I like what I've seen from the guy. Then your second line, you got Reichel on your right wing, centered by Anthony Cu, and probably I'm looking at it. Probably you put in Philip Kurashev on the second line, your left wing, because then I really like this third line. Tyler Johnson centering the line with Nick Felino on the right wing and Donato on the left wing. Um. And then your fourth line, Jason Dickinson centering uh, with your right wing, Corey Perry, and your left wing, Colin Blackwell. So that's my forward pairs. My defensive – you want me to do defense? Yeah. My defensive pairs, obviously Seth Jones is on the defensive line number one with Kevin Korchinski. Um, is Korchinski going to start the year? Yeah, right? I think so. I think it's possible. It's my guess. That's why I have him. I don't think so. he's going to play for the th- – uh, did he sign his entry level? I, I don't, don't think he I don't think he signed his entry level. But I do think he's going to play on October 10th. So He didn't play any games last year. He got sent to Seattle. Be- so he could right. do the nine-game thing still. Right. I do think – I don't know. I think it would be cool if he uh, played it with Seth Jones on the first line. Second line, you got Connor Murphy and Alex Vlasic. And then your third line, you got Jared Tenorti and Wyatt Kaiser, I think. So – that's what I got for you. Ours are a little bit different. Ours are a little bit different. And listen, they're both wrong. <laughs> Let me make this very, very clear. They are both wrong compared to what they will be on opening night. <clears throat> Someone might shock in training camp. They might make another signing. Right. Like the devil signed Thomas Nosek today. Mm-hmm. And like he wasn't in my lineup a week ago. So, you know, if McLeod gets suspended because of the Hockey Canada thing, it's good. So, like, anything can happen. Let me just mm-hmm. make that very clear. I have on the top line the exact same thing as you, and I'm very, very happy to hear that you put Radish on the right wing with Bedard centering Hall. That is my top line, too. I think Taylor Radish can make himself a rich, rich man this year. Mm-hmm. If all he does – you get, you remember – uh. Remember Hanzus mm-hmm. and uh, who's the other idiot? Oh, Artem Anisimov <laughs> um, that just played with Panarin and Kane. Anisimov, he just went to the front of the net. He won battles behind the net and fed it to Panarin at the top mm-hmm. of the circle who found Kane or vice yep. versa. Artem Anisimov did outstanding as like that third guy on a line that just goes to the front of the net, maybe take a hit behind the net to make a play or beat a defender to a puck behind the net. Taylor Radish can do that. And 
Taylor Hall's a high volume shooter. We know what Bedard can do. It's a really good top line. Um, on the second line, I put Johnson at center, and I put Reichel on his right wing and Athanasiu on his left wing, and I'm thinking of that line as like a just a fast, hard to play against, can score some goals. Reichel will drive the play usually, but Athanasiu's speed will push defenses back to make room for Tyler Johnson to be a beneficiary of Lucas Reichel. Those are kind of the things that I see with that line. And then I put Dickinson as the center on the third line, and I put Kurashev on his left wing and Blackwell on his right wing. Wow. So, you know, that's like a tough, gritty, like third line. Yeah. Uh, Kurashev can score some goals. Dickinson, he goes, Dickinson's a hot and cold type player in terms of offense, but I love the way he plays the game. You know, I think he can be a third or fourth line center on a championship level team. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was great with Vegas. Like they had him for a reason. I think you put him with Blackwell and Kurashev and you have a really solid third line there. And then I really like my fourth line. (laughs) When I wrote my fourth line, I was damn proud. I have Donato in the middle playing center. And I have Perry and Felino flanking him on the wings. That's possible. And... Perry and Felino, they'll probably get you anywhere from 8 to 12 goals, I would think. Um, Perry scores in the playoffs. I don't think the Hawks are going to make the playoffs, but um, he'll score in big games. Like, if Bedard's Bedard's first career point was a power play assist to Corey Perry, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Um, Even though I do think Perry will play on the power play looking at this lineup. Um, But he'll be fourth line five on five with Felino and Donato. You look at one of their players, funny. You know who I'm talking about. You're not going to want to deal with that fourth line. Luke that Richard, was my. I originally had that as my fourth line. When yeah, we talked about it. I like that fourth line. It's a good fourth line. If if the game's turning sideways, you know Luke Richardson is throwing um, that line over the boards, right? Like, yeah, that's just the line that's coming mm-hmm. out. They're the line I'd put out after a goal four. They're a line I'd put out after a goal against. Um, I really like uh, I like that fourth line. Um, the defense is a horrible issue. I'm looking at these pairs, and I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks give up 280 goals <laughs> next season. <laughs> it's bad. I got Tenority on the top pair with Jones. Jared Tenority, he had an okay stretch. At the end of last year, I don't think that's going to be an abomination of a, th- a first pair, but I don't love it at all. I have Kaiser on the second pair with Murphy. Uh, Murphy on the right, Kaiser on the left. And then Zaitsev's going to be on the third pair. The Hawks traded for him for a reason. They just took the draft pick to take his bad contract with his stinky play. Um, he's going to probably be like minus 30 next year like i don't see um how that third pair doesn't get eaten alive by some of the competition in the um in the season in the central division his partners where i struggled i had Roos, and i think korchinski has a chance i want to believe korchinski will earn a spot on opening day i I don't know what to do with Korchinski because it's different with defensemen. Bedard will step in and be so sweet right away. It doesn't matter if the team stinks. It won't affect his development at all. 
You don't want Korchinski to become Ty Smith, who the Devils really foobarred his development by having him in the NHL too soon when the team stunk. It's not like throwing Kale McCarr on Colorado. First of all, Kale McCarr is way better. Second of all, Colorado was ready to win. Um, I don't I, – I'm very worried that the Hawks do the right thing with Korchinski. I think they will. Um, let him play a couple games, sure, be on the opening night roster, but I don't see him being a full-time player on, in the NHL quite yet. I'd sign him and let him play in Rockford and then be really excited for him stepping into the lineup on opening day the following year, right? Like, those are the types of things I foresee. Um, you'll probably start inserting guys like Del Mastro and, you know, some of the other defensemen that the mm-hmm. Hawks have. Vlasic, I think you mentioned him. Yeah. Um, he'll he'll have a chance this season. If he played over Roos, I wouldn't be at all surprised on opening day. I think the world of Vlasic. He's probably – I probably got him as the third best defenseman in the Hawks system right now, maybe fourth. Um, but you know, the following year, I don't know if they'll see Nazar because Nazar's freshman year at Michigan, I don't like he's a forward. I don't know if he's really going to count that because he missed almost the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a really good player, fast as shit. He's kind of last year's drafts version of Oliver Moore. Oliver Moore, yeah. So, you know, all of those things will come together. So our defense is fairly different. Our forwards, not, I mean, not too off. I think we have the same 12. We have the same 12 and a lot a lot of what you were mentioning is what my first initial reaction was when we kind of did our early lineup predictions and we talked about which players would be on what line. Some of the lines that you have is like what I have, but then I'm like I don't know. I feel like Nick Felino and Corey Perry should be on different lines, but maybe not. Kind of throw that grid around. Spread I like that idea. Right? You know. I do. You have two gutsy lines and I don't know. But our defense I mean, you were saying guys who I don't even have, and I said guys that you don't really have, but I think we both agree that any of them could be plucked in and out at any given moment. Like you said, if you wouldn't be surprised if Wyatt – or no, Wyatt Kaiser you had. He was on your second line. You didn't have Alex Vlasic, but you wouldn't be surprised if Alex Vlasic played or Kevin Korchinski. So Tom says, in my honest opinion, um, or in my opinion, it's very unfortunate Blackwell is on both your prediction for Lions. I don't. I, I'm not. I, Blackwell's fine. I think he'd be a good player for the bottom six. But you had him top six, right? No, no, no. no. Oh. he's on my third line. Oh, I was gonna say top six. <clears throat> no, he's with Dickinson and Kurashev on my third line. Um, he's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. I don't know. You know, obviously, you want there to be brighter days with Oliver Moore and uh, Colton Dock, maybe. Um, Frank Nazar, all the all the good players that the Hawks have drafted over the last couple years. Um, I'm going to rank the farm systems by one. I don't think by next show, but the show after. I think I'm going to have the farm systems ranked in the NHL, and we'll go through my list mm-hmm. on the show. I think that'll be really fun to do when there's no news. Um, but the reason our defenses are so different is because they can be so different because they stink. Mm-hmm. It's not a good team that has Keith Seabrook, Oduya Yalmerson, Roosevelt, name veteran Blackhawk signed in that specific year to play with Roosevelt. It was chemo teaming in for half a season. You know, it was uh, certain different people throughout those runs, but the top four or the top four or five were pretty stable for seven or eight years. That's the sign of a really good team. There was no debating over what it was going to be. Maybe if they couldn't score a goal that day, they would flip Jomerson with um, Keith or something and have Oduya play with, 
Seabrook or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there were all sorts of different, you know, types of things that could go on with that. That's not like that for this Hawks team. You know, Jones right. is on the top pair. Murphy's on the second pair, and that's it. Yep. Um, g- good, good lineup prediction. I don't think uh, that lineup is currently uh, exciting anybody in terms <laughs> of, you know, being a threat especially when you're in the division with, uh, uh, you know, Nashville and St. Louis are okay, but then you got Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota as just the three-headed monster at the top of the division. Um, We'll see what happens. I do think they'll be exciting. They will be. I think legitimately top five most must-see TV teams, at least to start the season. Like against Pittsburgh opening night, that'll be a great game. Crosby versus Bedard has taken up real estate in my head. <laughs> it has a mansion in my head. <laughs> and then the next Great. night, Blackhawks versus Bruins. <laughs> That's going to be – they got some good games. Their home opener against Vegas. I mean, we got some good October games to start no this season. No doubt about it. I couldn't – and there's a – not a Centennial Classic because it's not the Centennial year. Uh, the Heritage Classic. Yep. The Battle of Alberta is taking it outside in October, which is just yep. that might be a hangout and eat chicken wings together Absolutely. type of game. Um Frank, <laughs> Vegas has come out, all the different sports books have a goal total for Connor Bedard, and they set it at a rookie goal total that I've never seen before. Thirty two and a half goals. Did you see the point total? I did not see the point. Is it sixty? Sixty five and a half. Sixty five and a half. That I think's easier. Thirty two and a half goals. It's exceptionally high. It's Frank. He sure is an elite first overall pick. He is a Selkie Trophy nominee. He had 80 points last year. They were awesome. He's a captain, top line guy playing against Crosby and Ovechkin and all the other top dogs in the Metropolitan Division. Last year was the first year he scored 30, dude. Year five. And they're telling me that you want Bedard to do it in year one, Vegas? Okay. Okay. We'll my answer might surprise you. You taking the over or the under? No, I my answer is not going to. I'm taking the under. Um, yeah, I mean, realistically, you look at the past ten number uh, overall picks, the number one overall picks. I mean, the only player to to do it in the past ten years is Austin Matthews. He had forty and only sixty nine assists, which barely broke the sixty five and a half points. Sixty nine points, which just barely broke the. 65 and a half point total that's set this year. So it, it's, I mean, McDavid only had 16 goals his rookie year and 48 points. Um, Nico Heischer had 20 goals his rookie year and 52 points. Jack Hughes only had seven goals and 21 assists or 21 points. Sorry, I meant points. Um, Nathan McKinnon, 24 goals, 63 points. It's tough. It's tough, but. I, you know, I'm saying under, but I really want it to go over. I think that'd be so cool if he had like 40 goals or like that. I mean, that would be amazing, but it just, it doesn't seem likely because he's going to have the top guys on the opposition defending him each night. You know, players are going to guard him. They know what Connor Bedard's all about. It's going to be tough for him. You know, I, I'm, either way, I'm going to feel dumb. If I say under and he goes over, I'll be like, well, I should have saw this coming. Or if I say over and I go, and it's under, then it's like, well, I feel dumb because why would he get 33 goals as a rookie? So I feel like no matter what I say, it's going to look dumb. But it's just 32 is a lot. I just don't see him getting more than 32 goals. I think McDusty only played in like 40 games his rookie year, so I think he was on pace for 30. 
with those 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he sure had 20, which he played on a line with Hall, who won the MVP. Um, other than that, the Nate dog had 24. Those are some of the high-end rookie seasons, along with Austin Matthews, who had 40. Mm-hmm. And he scored four in his rookie debut. And that's what I'm saying. That could happen, though. I think there's a better chance Bedard scores 50 than 20. I'm, I see what you mean. I'm going way over. You think over? Oh, yeah. You think he's going to score more than 32 goals? I would take the over and a half at like 35 and a half. That's crazy. I, maybe I'm the only one. I don't think Connor Bedard is the greatest prospect. I he know, uh, he's probably the second greatest prospect who ever lived. It's a lot, though. I think McDusty is the greatest prospect who ever lived. The things he did with the uh, Erie Otters were incredible. Here's the thing, though. You heard about Alex Debrinkit. You heard about Dylan Strome. McDavid's line mates with the Erie Otters. You couldn't name me one line mate of Connor Bedard's right now. What do you I mean? can't. Who were Connor Bedard's line mates oh. with the Regina Pats? I don't know. I have no freaking <laughs> clue. But I knew Alex Debrinkit and Dylan Strom were McDavid's. I'm just telling you. And I'm not taking away from McDusty. He's 26 years old, and his 150th point next season is going to be his 1,000th. Because I think he gets his 1,000th point next season. He's got 850 right now. Uh, there's no way he goes backwards next year and doesn't reach 150 again. Shit, he might have 200. But his his 1,000 – I'm not ripping on McJesus in any way, shape, or form. He was a better prospect than Bedard, but barely. Bedard had more goals by like 40. Connor Bedard scored like 40 more goals in junior than McDavid did. Yeah. In the same, basically the same amount of games played. I, I just, I think the world of his goal scoring ability. I've never seen a shot like that. There's nobody in the NHL that gets the twerk and the like power on the shot like him. Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, he, I've said this on the show a billion times, and those listening to the audio version are going to think I sound like an idiot. He brings his hands together and shoots. So it's almost like a broom, like a whipping stick. Mm-hmm. Where Connor Bedard, he like does this weird little like toe drag shot that like the release point of the puck is not where the stick is at the start of the shot, which is unlike anything we've ever seen before in the NHL. So like uh yeah, and Thomas Gage calls a toe drag release. It's even different than that. A, like, when you think of a toe drag and release, you think of him sliding the puck and then shooting. The release point of the puck is different than the start of the shot with Bedard. Like, that, it, it's, like a, it's like a toe drag meets a fake out. I, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a half toe drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it changes, like... It changes the start point of the shot, and I just – I think the world of this shot, if he stays healthy. Skok says it's like a whiplash shot. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I mean, 
it's hard to like I feel like I sound like an idiot when I say the start of the shot isn't the release point. But like if you know what I mean, but like the the puck moves a couple inches and like a goalie seeing it that way is very hard. It's it's gonna be very he's gonna fool a lot of goalies, especially the lesser goalies. Mm-hmm. Like he'll play Hellebuck a lot, or unless Hellebuck gets traded, he'll play Saros a lot unless Saros gets traded. But like Ottinger m- might you know be able to pick up on things a tad bit easier than some of the other people. But like when he's playing teams on like their second string, third string goalie, which the Hawks might get a fair amount this year with how bad they're probably gonna be in terms of overall standings points. Bedard, man. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see him break 50 or get to 50. Yeah. That'd he, be crazy. He might he might need like a a four goal game. I don't know about the first game. Because Austin Matthews only scored 36 from game two on, which was still amazing. But like, I don't know. I, I just I see this kid coming in the league and doing something crazy like that i really really like over i i would take the over i probably would draw the line at like 42 and a half wow but vegas can't do that no because everyone will take the under yeah yeah yeah. 32 and a half is a good total i just i see 35 36 37 goals for Connor bedard in year one yeah, sorry, I was reading Thomas Gage's comment. Says the shot is fantastic, but the real gift Bedard has is the killer instinct. He's cold blooded, has swagger that puts the fog on opponents. A la MJ. Yeah, I dropped my pen and I really want to have it. Okay, I got it. Um Yeah, I agree. He's gonna get a crap ton of ice time too. He'll be yeah. out there for every situation. You know Hall and Radish are gonna be looking for him. Mm-hmm. And Reichel, the power play. They'll be the top go-to man on the power play. They might do that thing with a rookie where, like, they're conservative in the first week or so. And then Luke Richardson will be like, what the hell am I doing? This kid's the best player on the team, and it's not close. And then he'll be their all-star. Like, this is all health pending, of course. you got to stay healthy. Right. Um, I just just really, really think the world of this kid – we shall see. I did actually was wondering what you meant, so I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, like thank I'm, you, Thomas. Who are the best shots in the NHL? I Bedard's one timer doesn't really scare me. When I think of the best slap shot one timers from the circle on the power play, obviously Ovechkin, the greatest of all time, Stamkos, Kucherov, Tage Thompson, and Mika Zabanajad. Elite slap, like they just look different. Those guys when they do it, Bedard, I'm not so sure about that. He'll be the guy who, if they set up the power play like an umbrella, he'll receive a pass from the defenseman in motion and take the shot. Like like uh, Jack mm-hmm. Hughes does it like that, mm-hmm. where Jesper Bratt takes slap shots. Nico's in front of the net. Um, Dougie Hamilton, he'll like make it look like he's gonna pass it over to Brad on this side, and then he'll fake it and give it to Jack, who catches it in stride and releases quick. That's what the type of plays I see mm-hmm. for Bedard with his shot. Um, big things coming for Connor Bedard. Take Good. my word for it. I do. Although there are still gonna be some Rookie of the Year candidates that even if Bedard and even if he gets into the high thirties for goals, 
I still think there's going to be some stiff competition for rookie of the year. If he scored 50, it's over. 50, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I think it'd be over if he gets in the high 30s. I just I think there's two or three players here that I think can have similar production only because they're like a little more advanced in their age. Right. And for me, I wrote down a bunch of players that are in the mix and you could pick from those. Go for it. Who you think might be in the mix. Obviously Shane Wright, Mm -hmm. the number four pick from last year. He's was the, he kind of fell a little bit to fourth overall to the Seattle Kraken. Brant Clark, a very good high end player that'll probably start the season with the Los Angeles Kings. And if he clicks, that's a rookie of the year type talent. Uh, Simone Nemich of the New Jersey Devils. He's their number two prospect. Um, he will, he might get time in the NHL this year. It's not a foregone conclusion by any means, but he's a defenseman. So he'll have less points than Bedard, but if he has an impact defensively that, you know, catches the league by storm, he'll be in the mix. David Yurichek of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's probably on a lot of people's, in a lot of people's opinion, the second or third best prospect in the NHL behind Bedard. Mm-hmm. And so he's like way up there. Luke Hughes, obviously the devil's number one prospect, um, scored an overtime winner in the final game of the season last year, played a little bit in the playoffs, was excellent. I think on DraftKings, when I was looking this morning, he has the second best odds to win the Calder, um, only behind Bedard. And Bedard is minus. He's minus like 300. That's dumb. That's just dumb. That is not a worthy bet. Don't even. I know you like him. I didn't say anything. He's got your birthday and he plays for your favorite team. That's a dumbass bet. I would take the field at plus 10,000 over one player. And I don't care who it is. I would take the field. The only trophy I probably wouldn't take the field for is the Hart Trophy. Because if Connor McDavid's healthy, he's winning the Hart Trophy. Like, that's the only one I wouldn't take the field for. And I also wrote down Adam Fantilli just recently drafted number two overall. Leo Carlson, or number three overall. Leo Carlson just recently drafted number two overall. And then Devin Levi, the goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. If he has close to Vezina caliber numbers and the Sabres make it to the playoffs for the first time in 2011, he'll be right there with Bedard as well, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, Fantilli is a big name, I think. Um, Just because... If the Blue Jackets are one of the most improved teams like we think they'd be, I think Fantilli's going to play a big role in that. Um, I also think Leo Carlson has a shot. Luke Hughes has a shot, maybe. I get where you're coming from. It's going to be hard for a defenseman to win it, I think, this year with how much offensive talent, rookie talent's coming into the year or into this year. It's going to be really hard. But um, yeah, Connor Bedard at like minus 300. It's a little ridiculous, but I understand why they do it because if they make him plus, too many people are going to take him and they're going to lose out if he does win. You know what I mean? It's just like a safety thing, something like you have to do. Um, but there's some value on some other guys. I didn't see odds on Luke Hughes. Um, all I saw were odds plus on... Plus 300. He's like the... Oh, he's really? The, he's the lowest plus. Interesting. So I think it's yeah. a nice price for him. It's just hard to, like, obviously not see Bedard winning it, given, like, his status. I mean, I think everybody's expecting him to. If he doesn't, it's not super surprising because, I mean, just look at years past. But years past kind of you don't really equate to what Connor Bedard is. But 
it, it's just it's hard not to see anybody but him winning it. But you named some great players that have chances. I do think that, like I said, Fantilli is an underdog here because I do think the Blue Jackets will be improved. Um, I do think he's got that chance to excel with them. He's playing with some pretty decent talent. Um, we'll see. Um, like like we've mentioned before, Connor McDavid didn't win it in 2016, but it just feels different. I don't know. There's just something about the year that feels different. It does feel different, um, but the, it's hard for a teenager to win this award. Mm-hmm. They very rarely do. I think Austin Matthews is the last one. Yeah, he did. I don't know who won it before that. Uh, well, well, before that. It was Panarin before him. Yeah, Panarin won it in the McDavid year. McDavid was yeah. nominated. You could argue he should have won. I know Blackhawks fans don't want to hear that. You sh- you can argue McDavid should have won for having like 47 points in 43 games played, which blows Panarin's 70 points out of 82 games out of the water. But, I mean, sometimes playing the whole season does weigh into things. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane Wright's a possibility. Um, I think if there was a defenseman, it, it would be a guy like Luke Hughes who's going to put up points. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like last year, everybody loved Jake Sanderson's game with the uh, Ottawa Senators. He was outstanding. But defensive defensemen that are really, really good, they just don't get a lot of love with these trophies. So, right. you know, what a good 50-minute Connor Bedard conversation. Though. It was a good conversation. I think everybody enjoyed it. Absolutely. I mean, if, you, if you're in the middle of the summer and you could just rip off a conversation like that about literally one player, then you know your hockey, you enjoy your hockey, and I never stop. Even when the sun is shining and hockey's nowhere to be seen, I don't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into some other pressing topics around the NHL right now in period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank. There's, a big, de- there's a big debate going around the National Hockey League sphere right now. Mm-hmm. Um, William Nylander is going to be needing a contract extension. And everybody and so does Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews might get his done before the season starts. Uh I think I used to think there's no way he stays with the Leafs. Right now I think there's no way he leaves. Fair. Based on all the things I've heard and some of the stuff I've read. Um he's not going back to the Coyotes just cuz nobody's going to the Coyotes right now. Um Logan Cooley's going to have to draw people to the Coyotes. Um, uh, they signed Tavares all those years ago, and it's coming back to bite him. William Nylander, the, you know, no, nobody there took a pay cut. Not a single person there took a pay cut, unlike other teams. You see what they built in Colorado. You see what they're building in New Jersey and Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit. Um, all those guys making $8 million or less. You get to Toronto. Tavares is eleven. Matthews is ten and a half. Marner's ten and a half. Now Nylander wants ten. What? Like forty something million dollars in four guys? Like what other team wins like that? You don't see any team around the league winning like that. Has a forward one making ten million or more? I don't, I don't think so. so. Mark Stone makes nine and a half. Um, I like teams with guys making ten and a half or more barely win playoff series let alone, like, cops. Um, it's just hard. There's a salary cap. And Nylander thinks he's worth $10 mil. And then here comes Alex Dabrinkit last week signing an extension with the Detroit Red Wings right after getting traded there. $7.875 million. Mm-hmm. 
That's probably exactly what Nylander deserves. And Nylander is going to try and get an extra three mil out of his team. Where do you stand on William Nylander versus Alex Dabrinkit? I think uh, Nylander deserves a little bit more than Dabrinkit. Uh, anywhere from like eight to eight and a half, I would say. Not nowhere near ten million. No way. I mean, they're very, very similar players, especially if you break them down. What they've done in their careers. Nylander has an extra 71 games on Debrinket, which is like a full season. And he's also got an extra 57 points. So, I mean, if you take that in consideration, extra 57 points, extra 71 games played, they basically had very similar careers. Debrinket's got 187 career goals. Nylander's got 177 career goals. They're right there. Debrinket had two 40-goal-plus seasons. Nylander's had three 40-goal-plus seasons. Right now... I would say Nylander deserves the little bit of extra money than Debrinket because he's shown it. I don't like to go off, you know, pace. We're on pace. They're on the same pace. Well, you don't know what happens. Maybe Debrinket goes scoreless for 30 games. Probably not, but you just don't know. You don't take that chance. I think right now Nylander deserves about eight, eight and a half. Um, I do think he is the better of the two players. Um, but 10 million, no shot. I would. He's asking for ten. That's a. That's a fa- Yeah. No way. Get him off the team. If he can't settle for eight and eight and a half, I wouldn't even sign him for nine. You're gonna let one bad, not bad, one sluggish year in Ottawa make you really think Nylander's that much better than Debrinket? I didn't know he's not that much better than Debrinket. I said they're basically the same player. I wouldn't give him a penny more than Debrinket. If I'm Nylander, I'm pissed as hell at the break. But we've seen, but we've seen it at like, yeah, whoever. No, but we've seen like from Nylander, not just a bad year out of the Brinket. We've seen what Nylander could do, not just like this past year, but he's had back to back more than eighty point seasons. That that's worthy of a little bit extra than the Brinket. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, I agree. But the Brinket was right there on par with everything Nylander did until last year. Yeah, I mean, like in twenty one, in twenty one, twenty two, Debrinket had seventy eight points. Nylander had eighty. They were separated by two points, uh, but Debrinket had seven more goals. Right. So, you know, this last year, Debrinket only scored twenty seven with Ottawa, thirty nine assists. Nylander had a career year: forty goals, forty seven uh, assists for eighty seven points. I would be reluctant to give Nylander. 200,000 more than Debrinket. Uh, like, I, I agree with you. I probably, your one season probably does. I was kind of playing devil's advocate. The most recent season probably does, you know, impact things a little more. That's your most recent sample. Um, like, I remember TJ Oshie got a really nice contract with Washington because in his final year there, he like had his 35 goal season playing on Ovechkin's line. He hasn't had quite the same seasons since. He's a good player. Um, other timing is everything, I think. Sometimes, Debrinket mm-hmm. probably was pushing nine after last season, which is why the Hawks traded his ass. But like, you can't build teams on the wing. You can't do it. Look at the Wild. They were built on the wing for all those years. They had Vanek and Parisi and Pominville. And then they had Koivu as their number one center, who was a really good player, like a really good player, 
But then the center depth after Koivu took a stinky dive. Oh, they had Zucker and Coyle. They were built on the wings. You cannot be built on the wings. Good scoring wingers come and go. Every now and then there's a Patrick Kane who's a center playing wing or a Mitch Marner, a center playing wing. Look at all the Stanley Cup contenders every year. They're all built super strong down the middle. Crosby, mm-hmm. Malkin, um, um, Carter Kopitar, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, um, Heesher Hughes. Um, now that Thompson's playing center for Buffalo, all of a sudden they're a powerhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you build down the middle, including defense and goaltending, and good scoring wingers come and go. You can't give wingers like Nylander, who score 40 goals and 80 points, $10 million. You just can't do it. No, I agree with you. Absolutely can't. But $8 million seems fair. I would give them eight. T- Nylander and Timo Meyer have a lot in common. Nylander is a lot less physical than Timo Meyer, but he's probably got a slightly better passing touch. And Timo Meyer and Nylander are probably very even goal-scoring-wise. Um. But Meyer brings more of a physicality that you need. But, like, that's not a slight on Nylander because he's probably a better passer. Mm -hmm. So, like, but guess what? The Devils took care of Bratt and Meyer and they added Toffoli. Mercer, they did all of these things after making sure Hughes and Heischer were in place. Right. And that's what the Leafs, they tried to do it because they have Matthews and Tavares. But like they're just all making too much. They're they're ten million is ridiculous. Their cap circumvention has been terrible in Toronto. And listen, I love when people make ten million dollars. Just because I'm not rich doesn't mean I don't root for other people not to be. I hope hockey players make as much money for themselves as they can within reason of like the salary cap. It has nothing to do with me caring about their finances. It has everything to do with me wanting to see teams win and succeed. Right. Um, it's just it's bad what's going on with Nylander and the Leafs and I really think uh, signing Tavares screwed them in the long run they've got some cap issues for sure and yeah. Nylander's not helping the cause no would you no. consider trading him yes it might have to go that route if he's really adamant on not taking anything less than 10 yeah you have Marner who's better offensively he does drive offense like a center he was a selkie trophy candidate um Tavares and Marner are kind of the perfect match because Tavares is kind of bad defensively as a center but he puts up 80 points where Marner is like a winger that plays center on the wing so like you can have Tavares take the face-offs because he's better at face-offs he's a little more physical and then once the hockey is started like the play is down Marner can be like the center of the line while Tavares kind of, you know, is more of the 120 foot player rather than the uh, 200 foot player. But I mean, the Leafs, man, the freaking Leafs, the Leafs, the Loafs. You know what, though, about the Loafs? They always give us something to talk about. We're always talking Leafs. Good, bad, or indifferent. Maybe they don't care about winning. They just want to be talked about. Well, did you hear what uh, Ryan O'Reilly said? Mm-hmm. Um, he basically admitted that like he signed with Nashville instead of going back to the Leafs. B- 
because of like the media and the scrutiny and like all the things you deal with with playing for the Leafs. It's just different than playing uh, elsewhere. Like Chicago media can be tough, you know. You have people like me getting on the air and screaming about you, but like it's not like Toronto. Somebody said that about Alabama football too. Yes, that's true. I saw that. I saw that today. Yeah, actually. there was a player who was like describing it. It's like. I forgot what he he said, like murder ball or something. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I they're mean, hard. Alabama football, the Leafs, the Habs, um, the Yankees for sure. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys in football, the Lakers probably, and then the Celtics. Those are like the teams where like you're America's team in that sense. Yeah. Or, uh, I guess. You're the national team in that sense because Toronto's not in Canada. But, like, I remember when the Devils play the Leafs in Newark or when the Devils play anyone in Newark, Jack Hughes will have his typical, like, three or four people with microphones standing in front of him. You know, Amanda Stein, Dan Rice, Trey Matthews, the announcers, you know, a handful of people. Mm -hmm. When Jack Hughes goes to play the Leafs in Toronto, there's a crowd of 50 people around his locker room every single time. Yeah. And that's just what you deal with in Toronto. And for better or worse, it makes it harder there. It's just something you got to deal with. Yeah. Um, Thomas Gage says nobody wants to play in Canada ever for multiple reasons, from scrutiny to cold to bad management. Um, the only place in Canada I would want to play for, like, lifestyle is Vancouver. Beautiful. Like, the sceneries there are incredible. But they might be the worst managed Canadian team. And then... Yeah, playing for Montreal's tough. Yeah, playing for Montreal's tough. I would like to live in Montreal, though. Very par- big party city. And then Toronto's like Chicago, so I probably wouldn't hate that. I probably would hate to play in Winnipeg. Um, Because it's just cold and damp and the jets um ottawa i don't really give a crap about canadian politics so i don't care to live there uh and then calgary and edmonton i think living in alberta for like a year would be cool (laughs) i would probably just go hang out in red deer and smoke some cigs while talking about hockey with the locals um if i lived in alberta but i don't know there's a reason every team in the NHL gets their free agents, but some have just a little bit more success than others. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, another debate going on on Twitter.com, and we've touched on it, is Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson, the winner of the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman in the NHL, um, he was the first defenseman in some – 30-odd years to win the Norris Trophy because he had 100-plus points, um, reaching the centennial mark. Uh, can you think off the top of your head who was the last before Carlson? We said it on the show when he reached 100. Mm-hmm. I was named it, all of them, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. It was in, like, 85 or something? Or oh, like I thought 80. it was in the early 90s. It could have been. It was something like that. Yeah. Anyway. I don't remember off the top of my head. The purge in San Jose has begun. They traded Timo Meyer last year. They had the fourth overall pick where they made one of my favorite draft picks, Will Smith, 
And I think he's going to be one of their best players in a couple years. Um, he was one of my draft crushes for sure. Cause he put up Jack Hughes like numbers at the development program, but they're going to trade Carlson, Eric Carlson, the Norris trophy winner. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's down to two teams. And whenever it seems like it's down to two teams from this for this long, a third team swoops in and gets them. <laughs> but as of yeah. right now, it seems like he's going to one of the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Carolina Hurricanes. What do you think will happen? What do you want to happen? Or other general comments on the competition or on the well, possibilities? Well, it's just, I kind of said this the last time we talked about this. I think last week, it's like, it doesn't, I think Carlson wants to go to Pittsburgh, right? But I get it. It'd be cool having him play with Crosby, Malk, and Latang. It'd be cool. I get that. It just doesn't make sense, right? Because I also believe that the Penguins are the oldest team in the NHL and adding them would just make them older. I mean, Eric Carlson's not getting any younger. I mean, it's time to move on from the older players. You know, every great team from the 2010s has done it. Look at the Blackhawks, the Kings. They've lost some key franchise players, like Quick. Everybody thought Quick would be with them. Uh, the Devils, remember 2012, Devils were good. They they Look at them. They tore it down. The Rangers, the list goes on, right? They cut loose. No more Henrik Lundqvist in New York. I mean, teams are getting younger now. And I think that's what you have to do. It just it doesn't make sense to add Carlson already on the oldest team in the NHL. It just to me like the cool factor is there, but the logical factor is not. Um, you add a guy like Eric Carlson to a team like the Hurricanes, who's got a young core, a guy that can mentor the your mentor their young players, a team that's ready to win the cup right now. They're dangerous every year. You want that on your team. Like I said last week, with Brent Burns did the same thing. I mean, and you also have to think about this. The Penguins would have to give up at least at least probably two players and a draft pick. And if it's a first-rounder, do you really want to give up players like Jeff Petrie or Casey DeSmith, maybe another prospect, and maybe a first-rounder or a, even a second-rounder? With a red – like, those draft picks are precious, and you're already farm systems like, eh. And you're always either middle of the pack, just missing the playoffs, or getting bounced early on in the playoffs. And like I said, you're already the oldest teams and you want to get rid of some draft picks for him. It just, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I would have them sign with the Carolina Hurricanes. They have that win now mentality. They could give up a little bit because they're in that win now mentality. And it just, to me, it just makes the most sense. I just don't see them going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It would be stupid. It would be stupid. I, I think it'd be dumb for both. They, Eric Carlson is 33 years old, and he has one, two, three, four more years at $11.5 million. So he's going to be a 37-year-old defenseman making 11 and a half. <laughs> and San Jose will probably eat half of it because you can only retain up to 50%. Well, what's half of 11 and a half? Is it 5.75? that's a lot for a 34-year-old defenseman, a 35-year-old defenseman. Now, if he gets you 100 points again, sure. Skokes brings up a good point. Aren't the Penguins in cap trouble? Yes, they are. So you're take, they're definitely sending back whatever you would consider a bad contract for Eric Carlson. That probably heightens the price even more, right? Mm-hmm. Like they probably have to give a first-round pick instead. 
But maybe like maybe Jeff Carter goes back, three point one five. Um, maybe they get rid of Ricard Raquel, you know, who makes five million. But you just signed him for five years at thirty. Uh Brian Rust makes five point one five. Uh Jake Gensel is certainly gonna be looking for a pay upgrade after this season. Um The Penguins so, remind me of the Blackhawks. Yeah. Oh yeah. With their cap trouble. Yeah. And like they have Jeff Petrie, but like you know, you they really, just they you don't just want to get rid of them. No. Marcus Peterson makes four. Um Jan Ruda makes two. There would definitely have to be some hardcore maneuvering going on there in order for the Pittsburgh Penguins to make this happen. Brent Burns and Eric Carlson have been on the same team before. It only worked out one of the years, and then things started to fall off quickly. Um, So that would be the case if he went to the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't think the Hurricanes need Carlson. I don't think they need Carlson. No, I, I agree. I don't think they need them. They have probably the best defense in the NHL. But that's a team that you go to if you're like that type of player. I get that. I, if I were the Hurricanes, I would try to be using my money elsewhere. I, I would don't trade for a forward. I, you know, their defense is just so good as it is. Like, go get a goalie. Be that team that trades for like a Hellebuck or a Saros. Like, you know, right now I think the Devils passed them on in terms of roster. So if you want to get back ahead of them, really the best way to do that would be like to add a goaltender or like a forward. He sure and Hughes would be the best forward on the Hurricanes. They they kind of lack that like super duper star. And you know Svechnikov, great player. Nietzsche, great player. Um, Taravainen, great player. Aho, great player. They're not like hundred and hundred point guys or Selkie Trophy guys or anything like that. There are, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. I just think, I don't think Eric Carlson's a fit for either team. If I'm Eric Carlson, a team I look at, which they certainly can't afford him, is like the Leafs. They have all their forwards figured out. They have, they think they have their goalie figured out. Uh, I'm trying to think of another, uh, the Colorado Avalanche would be great for Eric Carlson. The Minnesota Wild would be great for Eric Carlson. Um, I, I was going to say the Islanders, but I don't know about the Islanders. Kind of no, out on the Islanders. Um, but it's going to be one of those two teams we think. Um, kind of seems like you're leaning towards Carolina. I will say this. If I got to choose one, I would pick Pittsburgh. Because as a hockey fan, not interested in their record at all, watching Sid, Gino, Gensel, and Carlson – zip it around on the power play would be good for my entertainment. Well, that's what I said. I get it. It'd be cool, right? You'd get your little fix in. Everybody get their fix in. Yeah. But it would be like, it would be like, you know, doing crack. You know, it's not good. It's not good for you. But like, there are people that think it's fun. Well, adding Eric Carlson to the Penguins would be like crack. You know, it would be like this crazy talent on the power play. You know, some of the great players at their positions from the last 20 years and boom, power play goal, boom, power play goal. Can't keep the puck out of their own net. Eric Carlson's one of the worst defensive defensemen in the NHL last year, but he had 100 points and that's fun. Yeah, and then they missed the playoffs by 10 points and we're back to square one. (laughs) 
back to square one. And they had to give up a couple draft picks to get Eric Carlson. And don't forget, they missed the playoffs. Florida got in the playoffs and made the final. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks won Bedard. All as a result of like one game from yep. the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that one fucking goal by Buddy fucking Robinson legitimately changed the fortunes of three different franchises. Isn't that crazy? Buddy fucking Robinson. Good. What a great guy. I'll never, ever, ever. I could picture his face. There's going to be a statue outside the United Center for him. And Florida. Not Pittsburgh, though. They probably hate his guts. <laughs> if I was a Penguins fan, I would hate Buddy fucking Robinson's guts. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I was close to being like a... I'm not a Chicago Blackhawks fan, but I'm a Chicago Blackhawks supporter. As a Chicago Blackhawks supporter, I almost hated his fucking guts. <laughs> but I fucking love him now. Buddy fucking Robinson. Frank, we're in we're in dry season. So what we're going to do, here's where things are going to get interesting. I know your number one favorite team is the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. I almost really butchered that. Chicago Blackhawks. All right. What is your second favorite team? The Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights. All right. And to round out your Mount Rushmore, who are two other of your favorite teams to watch? Like they don't have to be like permanently your third and fourth favorite team, but as of right now, you're thinking of your favorite teams around the NHL and you know, you enjoy watching them. You would consider them your third and fourth right now. All right, give me a second. I want to visualize a visualize the league as a whole. Yeah. This is going to come back for an exercise for next week's show. Um, the audience is going to be left on a cliffhanger and Frank is going to learn what I'm doing with these once right, the show on. is over and we're off air. Right, hold on. Let me just visualize this for a second. Just to like watch or like. Yeah. Like they might have players you like or like. This is tough. teams you're straight up interested in. This is tough. Cause there's a lot, you know? Yeah. There's a of lot course. Of teams I'm interested in. Don't pick teams you think I would also pick. Okay. Um, mm, ooh! Well, maybe Tampa. Ooh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. I've always liked the Tampa Bay Lightning since I was younger just because like, like before I knew anything about hockey and we would play NHL video games. I would always choose the Tampa Bay Lightning, even over the Blackhawks, because sure. I like their goal song. I like the color of their jersey. So maybe Tampa Bay. They intrigue me a little bit. Tampa Bay's goal song. Whoa, the, no, no, not the whoa, goal song. The goal horn. Yeah, their goal horn is like a longer version of the Bruins. Right. So maybe Tampa Bay. And then maybe. Did we lose Frankie right as he was about to give his fourth? Is that really what happened here? Carolina? Carolina Hurricanes? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, something just did we cut out. One of us froze for like five seconds. Uh, we're good now. Yeah, we're good now. Um, I, think, I think the Carolina Hurricanes. 
Okay, I like that. All obviously, right. obviously, I like the Kraken, the Kings. Well, you get four, my yeah, son. So that's are you, fine. You, are you, you cool with those with, four? I guess, yeah, you can keep those four. All right, and then for me, it is obviously the New Jersey Devils. I'm not using the Blackhawks because you have them. Everybody right. knows I love the Blackhawks when they're not playing the Devils. I'm not including them for the sake of this exercise. So I'm going to go straight to the Minnesota Wild. For those of you who know me well, know that there was at one point I like was huge into the Wild. I still wear all my Wild gear. I still love the Wild. Um, Zach Parisi's not there anymore, but I will always have a special place in my heart for the Wild. I'll go with the Boston Bruins, of course. And then for the sake of the show... I think it's only fair that I put the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh boy. Um, last year the Oilers were my second most watched team, mm-hmm. but would I root for them in a playoff series over any of these four teams? I'm not sure I would. Um, next year the Oilers might very well be my second most watched team again, but only time will tell. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, we will keep these off to the side audience if you're curious what is going to become of these lists you need to tune in next wednesday um i have no clue what the date is because i don't even know how to add seven to 19 um you need to tune in next wednesday at 2 p.m to find out what frank and i are going to be doing with these lists that's the cliffhanger i'm going to leave you on and with that we will send you to period number three Frank, it's period number three. We talked about Bedard. We talked about Nylander, Carlson, Debrinket. We went through lines, rookie of the year potentially, even though we're like 90 days away from the season starting. There ain't jack shit for news. Um, And we still talked about hockey for an hour and 18 minutes. And in period number three, I have no idea what the H to talk about. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we talked about the the MLB a little bit pre-show, before, or I should say pre-first period, before uh, we got underway. You know, um, we mentioned 12 teams scored double-digit runs. The last time that happened was 1894. Unreal. How insane, how, how insane is that? A hundred years before I was born. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. There's probably uh, no one alive that witnessed that. Probably. Oh, yeah, there wouldn't be. There's no one alive from that day like to witness something like that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Otani's got 35 home runs. I can't wait to wait to see where he ends up. You think he's staying in a, a Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah. How I cool used, if he went to the Mariners? I used to not, but yesterday I started poking my nose around where it don't belong, as I do, and I had one person that I trust. Now again, none of this is concrete. None of this is anything. I had one person I trust. Tell me that the Angels are more likely to be buyers and try. Oh, that would make sense. They're right there. They could. I wouldn't be shocked. Yep. I do believe also from talking to the same person that the San Diego Padres are about to go through a purge and admit that spending all that money was wrong. And don't be surprised if Hater, Snell, 
and Juan Soto are all traded. They're they're they kind of stink. They no, they completely stink. Those guys don't stink. No, but the team, oof. No, yeah, they're they're probably they're them, the Mets, and the White Sox are the three biggest disappointments in Major League Baseball this season. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, um, expect a purge from them. And then on Chicago baseball, as of yesterday, when I spoke to my friend, um, all quiet on the trade front from both of them right now. Teams are very interested in both teams pitching. Huh? All quiet from the Cubs and White Sox on the trade front as of right now. Oh, for pitching? But both teams are getting lots of interest on pitching. Oh, okay. That's interesting. You know, Very interesting. Stroman, Giolito, Lynn. The Houston Astros really want Cease. Wrote about that this morning. That was from Bob Nightingale. Or no, that was from John Heyman. That's mm-hmm. not any scoop I got. That's just from John Heyman. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball's going to go through a little bit of some changes soon. And listen, I absolutely could see Otani getting traded. Uh, just as of right now, I'm leaning no based on my conversation. That's fair. I think it'd be cool if he went to the Mariners because I know he was kind of making some comments about it. I don't really see it happening, though, but it'd be cool. I thought the Mariners were going to sign him the first time around. When really? he was a Japanese free agent, he made his rounds. That was my pick. I didn't have a podcast or anything, so that yeah. that opinion is not out there for people to go back and see. But that was my original, which it's not like a prediction I'm proud of. He, I was wrong. Um, that I thought the Mariners. Did you see who was uh, – this kind of went under the radar, but did you see who's the cover athlete for Madden 24? This was released a while ago. It kind of went like under the radar a little bit. Was it Lamar? No. Lamar was last year. Lamar was two years ago. Last year it was John Madden. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. R.I.P. Who the hell's on the cover of Madden 24? Normally, right? it's this big thing that you see. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. No, it slipped under the radar. Well, I get these annoying ass notifications on my phone of everything that happens with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I know it ain't Trev. It's a big player, though. If it were Trev, I would have written about it from three different angles by now. Um. It's not Josh Allen, is it? Yeah. Oh, it is? It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen on the cover of Madden. Cool. Kind of just went under the radar. Blue jersey? I think so. Buffalo's blue jerseys are just okay. I think it's blue. red jerseys and white jerseys. Yeah, I, I could look it up really quick. Well, Josh Allen deserves it. He's a pretty good he's a very good quarterback i mean it was only a matter of time right you're not gonna have a guy like that and not have him on the cover one year yeah i mean like all the elite players have a cover eventually yeah burrow will get on one i think trev will get on one yeah Um, it's it's blue jersey i kind of like the cover it's not bad i'm gonna i'm gonna have to see it did you um here i might be able to screen it hold on I haven't bought Madden in a very long time. You see? Oh, okay. I do like that. Hey, Josh Allen deserves it. You know, he got to lower the interceptions in the second half of seasons. But uh, 
Not bad, right? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, you gonna play it? Uh, I'd like to. I haven't really gotten. I mean, the last Madden game I really got into, I think, was like Madden twelve or Madden fourteen. I forgot which one it was for a three sixty. Yeah. But I played it a lot for sure. Um, um really quick to answer his question because we got to answer people's questions during the third period because we got nothing else better to talk about. Uh, Ray Leo says thoughts on the Devils goaltending situation really quick. Um, yeah, you know, it it needs improvement. Um, I think Hellebuck would be a nice addition. But I'm glad uh, Mackenzie Blackwood's gone. I think he was bringing the team down. Vinny knows how I feel about him. Uh, Vanacek is back. He'll uh, he'll be okay. I think he, he he can get the job done during the regular season. But I do want him to see. I, I want to see the Devils go out and get another goaltender. Yeah, Vanacek and Schmid keep you as Stanley Cup contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, Hellebuck makes you a Stanley Cup favorite. Right. So I think they can win the cup without. With those two guys, I do. I really do. I think they will win the cup one of the years if they get Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, Kemper won it. Aiden Hill won it. Um, two goalies in Devils history um, um, have won 30 games in a season, Martin Brodeur and Vanacek. So. Can they make a run as the goaltending situation stands? Yes, I believe they can because they kind of did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting to the second round was far beyond my expectations going into the season. So, you know, getting to the playoffs was far beyond my – I kind of thought they'd be a bubble team at best. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought there was a better chance. Going into last year, I know I picked them to make the playoffs, but I thought there was a better chance they'd be in the Bedard sweepstakes than a couple right. under. And they were a cup contender. So, um, Foster says, freaking socks, so upsetting. Uh, Tom says, thank you for saying Buddy fucking Robinson multiple times. Um, when <laughs> Buddy fucking Robinson pops in my brain, I say it. It's like, it's like just a thing, a tick in my head. Buddy fucking Robinson. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Madden. Um, if you could try to get a freaking code, let's play some Madden. Well, I know I could get a code, like for sure. But, I want the next gen system, for sure. First, but absolutely, yeah, they had they they released some special edition covers for NBA Two K as well. Not the standard edition yet, but did you see that? No, Kobe Bryant. Oh, uh, he wore twenty four. Oh, so NBA Two K twenty four kind of makes sense. Yep. Um, so they're gonna have him on this couple of the special edition covers. But I, I don't think they've announced the standard edition cover. And then EA Sports Football Club 24, because it's not FIFA anymore. Um, I think you knew that, right? FIFA and EA. I I talked about this last year. Like I wrote an article last year that they were parting ways. Wait, yes, I did know this. So they wouldn't be FIFA 24 anymore because it was just they wanted an absurd amount of money that made no sense. So like, dumb. Like half a bill. And it's like you're not going to get half a bill. Like it was just something ridiculous. So now they're just EA Sports FC. They have 31 athletes on the cover. That's a big cover athlete photo. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is. So who do they get though? Like if they can't have FIFA, do they have? Players? They still get the players. You still get the players that play for the co- like certain clubs. You just can't use FIFA's name. 
Got it. You still got like icons and stuff like that and some of the great players, but I'm pretty sure. Can you be uh, MLS teams in FIFA or in the video game? That's a question I'm curious about. I don't know. I would say yeah. I don't see why not. I'm waiting for the NHL cover athlete to come out. Or Skokes just asked about that. Oh, I wonder who would be on the cover of NHL 24. Skokes, I wrote an article about who I think deserves to be on the cover this year. And I know Vinny read it because he retweeted it. Um, you got some You got some major traction on that article. Thomas Gage says, Connor Bedard, 98. That was one of my extreme long shots I put in the article because it's just not going to happen because they're not going to put a player who's never played in an NHL game on the cover before. But it would be cool if they did, like, special editions. If they did, like, a Young Guns cover or something like that, that'd be cool because I know NBA does, like, six different covers every year. They have a bunch of different editions. That would be cool. But, um, yeah, I mean – I'm excited. We should know soon. If the game usually comes out September, end of September, early October, we got to know soon. I mean, all these other covers are getting announced. What the hell, NHL? Yeah. It used to come at the NHL Awards. Right. We're behind the game. Remember when they used to vote? And that's how Berger got on? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I remember he beat Pekka Rinne in the final. I do remember that. By the way, I know you probably haven't played Xbox in a while. But um, Xbox Live Gold is no more starting September 14th. It's So you won't be able to go to the store and buy like a year subscription of Xbox Live Gold. What is it? It's being replaced by Xbox Game Pass Core. So it's like it's not quite Game Pass. It's not like you don't get the hundreds of titles that you do with Game Pass. But uh, you also get 25 like games as part of that subscription. Which are like good games, like Gears of War games and Halo games and stuff like that. So I guess kind of is better. But, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like 60 bucks for a year. But it's just not Xbox Live Gold anymore after 20 years. And, it's it, you know, we're getting up with the times. Time, time to change things. and Yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Interesting news. Um, Thomas Gates says paying for Xbox Live is just such a rip. <laughs> Oh, I like Game Pass. I pay for Game Pass. So do I. Or I did. I I probably still do. Because I think that's a great deal. It is a great deal. It has online included in it. Plus, you're getting all these free games with it. It's like a Netflix. It's like you're paying for Netflix, but it's Game Pass. But you also get to play online. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I do, too. Um, What about movies? You dealing with any movies this week or this weekend? Movies. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm watching Secret Invasion. You know that. Oh, yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover. I thought I was going to hate it going in, to be honest Why? with you. It looks so boring from the trailer. It was a snooze fest. I, like, watch the trailer and, like, fall asleep. It looks so dumb. And oh. then it's, like, you watch. Like, I'm not into spy movies or spy TV shows. Like, it just doesn't do anything for me. And then it's, like, oh, this show's really good. I can't wait to watch it. I got Movie. that on my list. Movies? I don't know. Of like just Vinny shows is that and uh, Quarterback on Netflix. Follow It's something with Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. Yep. And like there's rumors that Justin Fields will be on next year, but I don't know. They do that um, for a bunch of sports now. They did tennis, breakpoint. Oh, yeah. I have heard about that. 
they're they're doing like a whole bunch of documentaries for different sports now. And those are on Netflix, Netflix too. Yeah. Hell yeah! Let's go sports. Tom uh, Skoke says still need to watch the new episode five of Invasion today. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it tonight. Thomas Gade says SOF or Mission Impossible for me. What's SOF? What um, movie? SOF, SOF, SOF. Um, it's not Op- Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. That yeah. I want to see that really bad. I think that's based on a true story, right? I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, Sound of Freedom. I've never heard of it. Um, I'm seeing Barbie on Saturday. Yeah. So it just looks weird, but I heard it's really good, and I heard Oppenheimer is like amazing. Really? Like amazing. Apparently, like people are already calling for Robert Downey Jr. to win an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Really? Yeah, he's like the number two guy in the movie. Yeah, I knew he was in it. And like, I I need to see it now that I heard that because I'm a huge Robert Downey Jr. fan. Oh man, I he need makes to, me see want to see it. Too. It's like it's three hours long, and it's a it's a big time talking thriller. So, I need like, somebody to tell me if it's uh, based on a true story because I feel like it is, but I don't know. I have no idea. But then, yeah, I'll be seeing Barbie. I heard it's hilarious, and like, you need to see it. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm watching this weekend. Um, Frank bags tournament, bags tournament. We went through the bags tournament this weekend. How did that go? First of all, Thomas Gates says, yep, it is based on a true story, which I thought it was. So that makes it even cooler. Hell yeah. Um, bags tournament. We had, uh, another repeat winner back to back years. Gage and Nick's congratulations to them. Um, it was good. I had a lot of fun. Made the most out of it with everyone that came. Uh, next year, though, the fifth anniversary, do something big. We were talking about some ideas. So, you know, if anybody wants, like, if, you know, Foster or Skokes or anybody you want to get in, Thomas Gage, if you really wanted to play bags, literally anybody who wants to play next year, it's open to anyone. I love the competition. I love getting new faces in there, new faces to contend with to challenge for the title. But, yeah, I mean, I it was a blast. I had a blast. Hell, yeah. I can't wait for next year as well with the five-year anniversary. Uh, we're going to push to have even more teams, I think, right? Yeah. You know, last year we had 23 teams, which was a lot. Yeah. I mean, if we could get that again, 32 would be sensational. It would be crazy, but it would make the bracket look really nice. Absolutely. But that would just be insane. We'd probably have to move the location to be all in all honesty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Foster says he's in if his shoulders are working. So got to get Foster's shoulders working so he can play bags. Um, it's a fun and time. Thomas Gates says send the link to join. I'll F it. I'll do it. Hell yeah. Well, we, we got people next year. You just got to find a partner you like to play bags with and we're in. Absolutely. Um and then, yeah, we got football coming up in a couple of weeks. I think the training camp is seven days away. Mm-hmm. So we'll be very much all in on that by our show next week. Uh, there will actually probably be more stories to report and stuff like that in the football world next week. And period number three was is largely dedicated to football mm-hmm. in <clears throat> the wintertime. I mean, but Bar Down is a hockey show first. But football is definitely the second most talked about thing on this show. And we're going to keep it that way. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So if you like football, Bardon's the show for you as well. 
Um, sometimes bar down can mean a missed field goal, right? Like bar down. Oh yeah. Um, but you know what it's time for now, Frank? What is that, VP? It's time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> Frank, breaking bets. The floor is yours. I just realized something. Thomas Gade said yep to, I think, Foster's question, not mine if it's based on a true story. So I have to look it up. I'm tired of waiting. Well, look at what Foster just said. Oppenheimer is based on a true story. He's the guy who is key to the atomic bomb developed here and see how powerful it is. Won't tell you the story. Fascinating to me. Need to see it. I need to see it. I'll go see it. Um, but that's this weekend. Today's breaking bets. Throw up. We went one and one last week. It's fine. Um, we hit the more value pick last week. Alcaraz to win Wimbledon at plus 160 or no. Plus, it, actually, it was more than that. It was like plus 250. So that's like a good one to hit. Hold on. There we go. Got two picks for you this week. Both MLB. The MLB's back from All-Star break. First pick up, we got the Giants at the Reds. Stripling's pitching for the Giants. Graham Ashcraft's pitching for the Reds. The Reds have played them tough these past two games. They've lost the first two games, but they've been tough. They played them hard. I don't trust Stripling on the road in tonight's game. The Reds have a ve- have been a very hungry team this year, and it's hard to see them dropping three in a row at home. It is a pick em. Both teams are minus 110, so I'll just take the Reds' money line at minus 110. They're hungry. They're going to come to play, I think. They had the chance to win both games. They lost an extra innings in the first game. Last night they had a 4-1 lead. Just seems like they're they've been ready to play, and I think they scoop game three here after dropping the first two. So I like the Reds money line at home at minus one ten. Pick number two is a pure value play. Brewers at Phillies. Ray versus Sanchez. Listen, I do believe that Sanchez is the better pitcher of the two, but not by much. The Brewers have been playing good ball lately, and I believe the line is a bit inflated because the uh, Phillies are on a four-game home winning streak. The Brewers have been playing good ball. I like the spot here for them. The Brewers are plus 140 on the road against the Phillies. I think that's a bit too much with a fairly even pitching matchup. It's just a pure value play. I don't feel comfortable taking the Phillies at medium dogs at home, so I'll take the Brewers at plus 40 on the road on the money line. Those are my two picks. We'll see what happens. Very good picks. Very good picks. I will be paying attention. Um, Baseball's getting hot. Um, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Then we'll go through the dog <laughs> days, but we'll have football. Um, Thomas Gage says, who are we putting money on for worst record in the NHL next season? I like what he said, said about history class. Oh, yeah. Get better at history class, Frank. You <laughs> love it. Um, Sharks, Yotes, Hawks, Flyers, or maybe even the Habs? I, to me, there's one answer. I think it's the Sharks. Interesting. I don't think Leo Carlson's going to be able to excel him that much, and they've they've really gone through like a purge. I get yours is probably the Yotes. Nope, the really? Yotes are going to be good. The Flyers, you think? The Flyers. 
The Flyers don't have a Couture. A Eklund, who's outstanding. Love Eklund. Um, I mean, it's, I'm not going to sit here and start ripping off Sharks players. They don't have that many to rip off. But I think they're better than the Flyers right now. Could they trade everyone away and get right there? Yes. If the Jets, you didn't name, the Winnipeg Jets, if they trade Hellebuck and Shifley and Wheeler's a Ranger already, I think they could be in that mix because they don't have Pierre-Luc Dubois anymore either. Um, Maybe. But as of right now, my money is on the Flyers. Um, I think the Hawks are going to be worse than people think. I don't know if they'll get Max Celebrini or anything like that, but I'm looking at this lineup. I have it written down. Disgusting. Horrible. But they have Bedard, so they'll be fun. And that that probably keeps them out of last last or, like, even bottom five. Um, I I got the Flyers, Sharks, Jets um, and I kind of have an underrated bad team I don't know if you're going to agree with me but the Capitals I they're going to feed the hell out of Ovechkin he's 73 goals away he wants to be 33 by the end of this year and hmm. I just don't love the Capitals roster at all interesting interesting they're going to lose a lot of games that Ovechkin scores twice we shall see. So those are my picks. Why you you you're fully in on the sharks? No no dark horses. No, I agree with the flyers. Um, sharks. I it's, I just don't see the sharks being that good. I no. just I think it's going to be really bad for them. The best team Thomas Gage named is the Yotes. Yeah. The Habs maybe, but yeah, they won't be that bad. No, I don't know. I don't think they will. Foster said Cubs need to get hot here. Do the Cubs sell? Um, the Cubs sell. I think they would be foolish not to um, sell unless they extend. I don't think it would be foolish to extend Bellinger or Stroman, but I think it would be foolish to lose them for nothing. Cody Bellinger's been on fire. <clears throat> He's closer to his MVP self than his bad self. Yeah. He's not his MVP self, but he's closer to that than his bad self. Right. He's been elite right now. I mean, yeah. it, whew, picked him up in fantasy like a month and a half ago, and it's been great. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the Yotes are going to be good. I just think they're going to be better. Um, they'll probably slap a C on Clayton Keller, and their defense will be improved. They're bringing in lots of young guys. They have one of the better farm systems. Um, Gunther, he dominated the world juniors. Only Bedard was better than him. And Bedard was a undrafted prospect. Well, out of all the drafted prospects, it was Cooley and Gunther leading the way mm-hmm. and Luke Hughes. Um, but Cooley and Gunther are both coyotes. Now the arena situation, Cooley said, screw this. I'm going back to Minnesota for another year to try and win a national championship. And they're probably going to be the preseason number one. So I don't think he made a bad decision, but Cooley will eventually be, he'll play for the Yotes at the end of this season. I don't know. I just don't foresee them being that bad. No, I agree. They're not going to be terrible. I wouldn't think they were competitively bad last year. Yes. Yes. Schmaltz had 80 points or not Schmaltz. Keller had 80 points. Like we we went to uh, Coyotes Blackhawks game last year. It was like a one, nothing, two, nothing shutout. 
it was close. They yeah. played them good. It was competitive. You know, it was interesting. They were an interesting team. Yeah, Frank, and you saw in that game, you saw one of the legit most unique things you'll ever see at a hockey game. You saw the AHL's two leading scorers mm-hmm. play in an NHL game. Yeah. At the same time, which was really, really cool. I'm going to the Coyotes uh, cap friendly really quickly because they made some additions this year that make them better too. So they have Alexander Kerfoot, which is a oh, really yeah. it's a really nice addition to their I bottom six. They uh, signed Jason Zucker to a $5 million contract. Um, they have Gunther signed now. Um, Nick Bukestad is a yote. Barrett Hayton's a good player. Um, Lawson Krause had a good year last year, as did Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. Um, Dursey's really good on defense. Yeah. Um, Victor Soderstrom is going to play a defense for them. He's 22 years old, high, really high draft pick. Um, but Kirill Valmelka is a decent goaltender, too. I just I don't think the Coyotes are going to be like bad bad, especially once Cooley comes into the mix at the end of the season. Thomas Gates said Houston Coyotes. No. Foster keep them, says keep them in Arizona. Foster says Yotes like Bears past season. <clears throat> um, hmm. maybe not as bad as the Bears. Yeah, the Bears were the worst team in the NFL. But um, trying to think of a good comparison for what I th- football comparison to what I think the uh, Yotes are going to be. Maybe the Carolina Panthers or the Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons. This year you're saying? Yeah, compared to last year's football. Yeah. The Blackhawks are last year's football comparison to the Bears. The Blackhawks, in my opinion, had the worst roster. And they had the third worst record. But I would take last year's Blue Jackets and Ducks roster over last year's Blackhawks roster. I would. Give me Zegris and Drysdale and Terry and I'm missing a big one. McTavish. Give me all those guys over that putrid that the Hawks had out there last year. And the Blue Jackets were very injured. They didn't have Wierenski, you know. Um, they had Goudreau and Line A and Boone Jenner and all sorts of great players that the Hawks only wish they had last year. The Hawks overachieved by having the third worst record. They <laughs> really, really did. You know, they didn't have Hall or Bedard. Radish and Athens, you were good. Johnson was injured. Reichel wasn't called up for most of the season. Um, they didn't have Felino, Donato, or Perry. I mean, half of their top six and forwards next year weren't on the team last year. Like they were just they they overachieved by like ten points in my opinion. Which credit to freaking Luke Richardson, great coach. Mm-hmm. You can argue he should have been coach of the year for the teams not being freaking, um, you know, extra bad. Um, comparing the Yotes to the Lions, that's a no for me. The Atlanta Falcons, yes. I think the Lions are going to be really good. I could see the Lions winning the NFC North. That opens up the football season <clears throat> this year. Lions and Chiefs. Yep. Thursday night football on September 9th, I think. Hell yeah. I think the Chiefs will win that game and the Lions will start 0-1 and everyone will shit on them. But, like, there's 17 other weeks to follow that. And I think... Uh, uh, there are people like Thomas Gage, though. I think the Lions will Lion. They could. Um, the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016 proved to me that that's all nonsense. <laughs> when the Cubs were no longer cubbing, I believed anything was possible. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Oh, and then three years later, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. The the team that was the Cubs of, ba- of hockey. 
couldn't win 60 plus years, don't have a single World Series or a single Stanley Cup championship. Oh, and who did that become right the year before, too? The Washington Capitals. Uh, maybe the Leafs are the only cursed team we have left in all the sports. What about the Guardians? The Guardians? They're kind of like cursed. Yeah. They, they, really, blew three, they blew a three to one lead. They really choked. They really <laughs> choked. Not only did they blow a three run lead, no, three they, to one lead. Yeah, that's our yeah. three to one lead. Not only did they blow that, they had a momentum building comeback in game seven. Mm-hmm. And they let fucking rain ruin it. Yeah, that, that's a fucking <laughs> asshole team, too. Um, oh my God. Shoot me sideways with that World Series matchup. The Cubs and the Guardians, or it was the Indians at the time. Um, I'm not they, a fan of them. I don't know. What, don't the, like... the Guardians? Yeah. yeah. They piss me off, too. They're kind of overrated. They yeah. want to be good. They're okay. They're, you know. Place a future on them to win the Central, though, over the Twins. They're, they're probably sure. they're probably plus. Twins are my, yeah, Twins I feel the same way about. They're like just they're... meh. They're overrated every year that they're good. They just don't do anything. It's... Yeah, and they're not that fun to watch either. Like, at least if the White Sox made a comeback and won the division, you'd get to watch Luis Robert Jr. in the playoffs. You get to watch Dylan Cease in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Who do you feel that way about on either of those two teams? Jose Ramirez, yes. Yeah, he's good. He's I like v- Jose he's Ramirez. very good. Yeah. But, like, outside of him, Correa? Maybe. Correa's a cheater. In my eyes, even though I kind of respect the Astros now, um, I don't know. Baseball's fun though. Um, we are definitely a pro all sports podcast. Um, if Cease is traded, I'll cancel this show. That's how little I believe he's going to get traded. Even <laughs> though, even though I'm working on a piece about three trade packages with the Astros for Cease, um, that's just so people can get nice and mad and read my stuff because I think there's a zero percent chance that Cease gets traded. Um, Frank, you got anything else for the good old folks before we get on out of here? Nothing, nothing really. We're in the downswing of the NHL season, the off season, I should say. So I can't wait for October. Uh, is it October yet? No, unfortunately, no. 86 days, Jack Hughes days until the devil's first game. So it's probably like, probably like 83 for opening night or whatever, 84. Yeah. So. Yep, and you can read all my work at thewindycity.com, puckpros.com, blackandteal.com, pucksandpitchforks.com, and southsideshowdown.com. We are doing the New Jersey Devils, Jacksonville Jaguars, and all of the teams that play sports ball in Chicago. You can read all of Frankie's stuff at apptrigger.com, covering all things video games and all things sports video games specifically. I've been noticing lately lots of sports video games. Um, very cool and exciting stuff. You could tune in. To the rest of the Barroom Network shows, we got Raging Mouth, the Mike North story coming up. Um, I think episode two just dropped yesterday, or a bonus episode dropped yesterday. And then, so that's two episodes total. It's one and then 1.5. And then episode two will come out next week. Just outstanding stories from his life, his, you know, tough childhood leading into, you know, one of the great um, radio careers in the history of, you know, Chicago sports. And he kind of invented the whole Chicago radio scene. So make sure you go check that out. And South Burbs Hitman on Monday will feature Mike North as a guest. Me and him will go at it over why Tony LaRusso was a complete dickhead. Um, <laughs> can't wait for that. Uh-huh. It should be fun. And then tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk. 
Um, it says 2 p.m. I'm not sure exactly what time it's going to be, but um, we'll be on talking ball, so I can't wait for that as well. And make sure you follow all of Frankie's shit as well at the King Bean on Twitter. Frank, is there anything else that you want to get off your chest before we get on out of heat? Nope, I'm good. Frankie's good. And as always, to everybody in the chat watching at home, whether you commented or not listening on Apple, Spotify, we say, as always, thank you for listening. We'll be right back.